Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mayweather. Nothing personal word of the day is Mayweather. Do you think you're listening to yesterday's show? I've always wanted to do the Groundhog Day thing. The actual word of the day, how'd that go over? I thought that was actually funny. I thought of it right as the countdown was coming. Five, four, I just kept thinking about Mayweather and 157 pounds of pot. But my word today is procrastination. Procrastination, not the song by Carly Simon. That's anticipation. Procrastination is what we all do when we should be doing something. We do something else until the time comes that it's too late to do what we should have been doing from the beginning. Who's procrastinating now? A guy named Jeff Brittich. Jeff Brittich is the general manager of the Colorado Rockies. He actually went to spring training and said to the media, I have not yet had a chance to speak with Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado, as in the player who signed the eight-year, $260 million contract last year, the player who is the number one attraction for the team, the player who is the best player on the team, the player who is despondent with management because he was going to be traded all off season. And you, as the GM, do not take the time to go speak to your player. Guess what? Here's how it really works. That's the first thing you do before spring training. You make sure you speak to your player. Why would you procrastinate doing what you don't want to do? Ah, it's called procrastination. So we got a lot of news today with the NFL. Let's talk about the collective bargaining agreement. Ah, how great is that? We're spending time talking about sign-stealing scandals, collective bargaining agreements, unions, strikes and lockouts and money and more money and rich people getting richer. And it's great. What happened today? Well, over the last two days, there's been a lot of back and forth between the NFL owners and the NFL Players Association as they try to come to an early agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement. You see, the current agreement does not run out until the end of the 2021 season. But there is certainly a goal by the NFL players and owners to get something done sooner. To that end, they have been negotiating for months and months and months. And the way the negotiations happen, there is a committee of players who have their own lawyers, a committee of owners who have their own lawyers, some of the people in the commissioner's office, some of the people in the players union. They sit at a big table and just like Hawkeye Pierce would say during MASH, during the Korean War, they argue over the shape of the table and what the sandwiches will be for lunch. They then exchange concepts, topics. We'd like a 17-game season, said the owners. The players say that's great. We would like more protection when we get concussed. Well, that's okay. We would like expanded playoffs. That's okay. We don't want to play as many preseason games. That's okay. We want to make sure that there's a cap on the amount of money we are putting into your pension. The players say, that's okay, we want more spots on the roster, and we want fewer practices with pads. 
Are you getting my point? There is back and forth. The problem is in the media and what you're reading about is you're only reading about things at a 30,000 foot level. Here's what you already know. A 17 game season, expanded playoffs, no testing for marijuana. Those were the headlines. Here's the problem. The actual collective bargaining agreement for any league, for any job. Do you know there's a union like the pilots who fly your planes when you go on vacation? Those pilots are in a union and the flight attendants who save you if there's a crash where you can be saved or who dole out peanuts when there's no allergies on board. They're part of a union as well. They collectively bargain with management. It happens all the time. When no agreement can be had, there's something called a strike or a lockout. It's not unique to sports. There are laws that actually govern the relationship between a union and its management. And I don't mean laws that are for sports teams. I'm talking about federal laws for every sort of union management relationship. So if you think that the major topics of the 17-game season, the expanded playoffs, maybe increasing the roster size, well, that's because we're only telling you the tiniest, tiniest bit. But if you actually look at what the NFLPA, that's the Players Association, they submitted publicly a list that even this three-page list, for those of you watching on CBS Sports HQ, I'm showing you the list. If you're listening, I'm still showing you the list. It is three pages, and you're saying, wow, that is amazingly detailed. This is like, have you ever heard of something called like spark notes or cliff notes or monarch notes? It's like when you have to read the Odyssey, except instead of reading the Odyssey, you buy something that you can read it like in a much shorter period of time, but then you don't read that either because it takes too long. That's what this is. It's only three pages out of several hundred, but there's some highlights that I want to teach you about of why we're going to have a small problem here. This is about economics. This is about players thinking that they are worth a certain amount and a certain percentage of revenue that is generated by a league. This is about players thinking that they are the product, therefore they have the control. Very common. It's like pilots saying, without us, All your planes are grounded. You can't fly. There's going to be cancellations. Your customers are going to be angry and they're going to fly other airlines or they're just going to be so angry they'll never fly again. In football, what we say is if there's an NFL strike, that will be the end. People will be so disenfranchised with the NFL, with millionaires fighting with billionaires that they won't come back. There could be replacement players, unlikely. It's like having replacement pilots. There could be a small work stoppage that wouldn't even interrupt the season because it would take place before there were games missed. That's also unlikely. What the result of this will be is a vote of no today by the NFL Players Association that will eventually lead to a full-fledged negotiation and a deal will be struck before any time is missed. There is too much at stake for there to be a strike or a lockout, but right now is huge leverage. You may have seen J.J. Watt on Twitter saying, no deal, I will not agree to what the NFL owners have approved. Yesterday, the NFL owners actually approved a new CBA, but that is incorrect reporting. 
They can't actually approve a CBA. What they can do as a group of owners is they can approve what will be presented as a final draft of a CBA. When I was with MLB, we would have those approval votes, except there'd be a small difference. You can never approve the final CBA because things change until the last second. Even while you're drafting, things change between the union and the owners. So what owners are actually agreeing to is conceptual. You, Roger Goodell and your negotiators, we will give you the right and we approve that we will not go more than 48% of revenue to the players. We will not go more than an additional 10% into the pensions. We will not go more than every other year of tuition reimbursement for players who don't make it. There are a litany of things where owners say, this is the framework, this is what we vote on, this is what we are putting forth. But don't let any owner tell you or any pundit tell you that what the owners did is voted on a final CBA. Incorrect. Now it goes to the players. The players have three tiers of approval. The first tier is the executive committee. The executive committee is made up of people who are actually at the table negotiating the points with the owners. They voted six to five against the CBA that was presented by owners to the players. That does not mean that the CBA has been voted down, despite what you're seeing on social media. The next step, there are 32 teams in the NFL. They each have one representative. There will be 32 people voting. What they are voting on is the parameters of the CBA as presented to them by the executive committee. When those 32 people vote, what they are voting for is not to ratify the CBA. They are voting whether or not to let the rest of the NFL players vote on the CBA. That's all the committee and the 32 player reps do. That's it. At the end of the day, this CBA will be voted up or down by all the players, not just J.J. Watt or Richard Sherman. Why am I out call, why am I calling out those two guys? JJ Watt in a tweet where, by the way, the most you can tweet is 280 characters and maybe 240. Wouldn't it be great if I was told right here what the number was? The maximum tweet is that number of characters. To properly explain a CBA and what your reason is for voting or not voting requires far more than the length of a tweet or a social media post. It requires real conversation amongst players, amongst player reps, and then amongst the representatives in their union who are paid to explain in very simple terms what it is they're voting for and what is the significance of a no vote versus a yes vote. J.J. Watt tweets out in eight characters, he says, no, hell no, rip it up or something. It was so short and ridiculous that now members of the media are saying there's no way this passes because J.J. Watt said it's not going to pass. Do you know how many votes J.J. Watt has total? He has the same number as his teammate and as someone with one year experience who's making the league minimum. One vote. It's easy for J.J. Watt to complain, especially the news that was put out, that in the 17th game, everybody sit down, 
step away from the computer and sit down. The maximum amount that a player can get paid in his 17th game is $250,000. Stop. Everyone relax. What that means is that if you are a player who makes over $4 million annually, you will be getting fewer dollars for the 17th game than you got for the first 16. Oh, the horror. I am shedding a tear for all the players who make more than four million who can only make a max of 250 grand for the 17th game. Oh no, I will not put my head in the way of a late hit that won't get flagged for only 250 grand. Guess what? That's the least important provision of this CBA. Why is the media or the players focused on what the players would get in the 17th game? How about focusing on things that no one cares about but people involved? 401k, pension, money to players who retired before 2012, rookie minimum scale, rights for players on the practice squad, Improved working conditions, including things that are very easy to be agreed upon, like helping visiting team locker rooms, all the stuff with rehab facilities. I only put that in there to see if you're paying attention. When you read about improved working conditions and rehab facilities, it's a fagazi. It's a joke. Don't think about that. The owners don't. They hope the players focus on it because it's what they want. They hope the players focus on only three consecutive days or three out of five for days in pads for full workouts, a two and a half hour limit on padded and full speed practices. Do you know that the owners meet amongst themselves and they say, hey, when the players ask for limited pad practice, say no. Say we want you in your pads all day, every day. And then we'll give in and we'll get something in return. It'll be a last second trade. And the players say to themselves, hey, look what we got. We got fewer hours and pads. If the players are smart, which some are and some aren't, they look at some of these ancillary issues and totally ignore them. They look at the 250 grand cap and ignore that too for game 17. What they're focused on is what the size of the pie is, what percentage of the revenue pie is that goes to the players, and what they can reasonably expect as employees or union members in a larger multi-billion dollar organization. You heard, if you watched the debate, there was a democratic debate. You heard some candidates talk about what corporations are like, whether or not there should be billionaires, there should be, there shouldn't be. I'm not going to tell you my view because not today. What I am going to say is the concept where boards, corporate boards are made up of employees and employees run the companies, that is never going to happen. And here's why. You can have employees with ownership in the company. Those are called stock plans. For all of you here at CBS, check your account because you have CBS, Viacom, CBS stock. Why do you want that stock to go up? Because you work hard and you want that money that you're not counting as your annual comp. You want that money to increase. Players want the same thing for their league. When teams sell for more, when there's more revenue, when players do things to help teams get more revenue, guess what happens? They get more money. So as we watch this unfold over the next few days, I encourage you to keep calm. 
follow my phone case. Keep calm and carry on. Why? Because a deal will be done. There will not be a strike or a lockout. It's not even a wait to see. It doesn't mean the sky's falling if the players do not accept this CBA. This CBA, someone tweeted today that this is the most lopsided CBA ever. I have great respect for you, Darren. Great respect. I've known you a long time. Until you read an entire CBA, word for word, cover to cover, every change from the previous one, anyone who speculates on it is simply ill-informed. So I'm not going to speculate whether this is good for owners or good for players. What I will guarantee you is what I know is good for owners and players, and that's getting a deal done. So the next su- subject is a funny one. It's uh, This is So You Want to Talk to Samson. So You Want to Talk to Samson is a, uh, you basically follow me on Twitter at David P. Samson and DM me with something. And if it's interesting, I'll respond. If it's interesting, we'll talk about it on an episode of Nothing Personal. And if it's not interesting, I'm still going to read it, but I may not have time to respond. But I do as much as I can. Someone sent something yesterday or the day before. So you want to talk to Samson. Ready? Is there a scenario? This is a quote. Is there a scenario where the Astros scandal is good for baseball? The question is, can the sign-stealing scandal that has been absolutely pervasive in the news cycle, can it be good for baseball? Everybody's going crazy right now. The commissioner is under his bed in the fetal position sucking his thumb. Players are looking for microphones to start talking about other players and what they did and how much cheating and how much little respect they've lost, how much respect they've lost for their fellow players. What are we doing here at CBS? What are they doing at every network? What's going on on the national news? Everyone's talking baseball. It's not being lost in the NBA. It's not being lost in the NFL Combine. There is a concept right now before the first game has even been played at the end of March. The concept is that we are changing the narrative from apathy to negativity. And what a nightmare that is. But I will tell you that I disagree. There is nothing worse than apathy. I am good with full negativity because I've got a chance to take that emotion and turn it around. When there's apathy, there's nothing I can do because some of the greatest pennant races, some of the greatest individual achievements could take place. But with an apathetic fan base, they're not paying attention. They don't care. This could be baseball's greatest moment. If they seize the day, if they take this scandal and they take people's emotions because that's what we crave. When I ran a team, do you know all I wanted? I wanted your emotion. That's it. I loved it when you yelled at me and hated me and swore at me. I loved when you cursed me and told me I was the worst president of all time. Do you know what I hated? Silence. I was scared of it. Petrified that I would walk down a concourse to silence. It never happened in 18 years. There was a lot of noise. A lot. Some of it was good after a win or after something nice done for a child or an adult. Some of it was bad. When you trade players or when there's things going on that fans just don't approve of, like today. But now let's fast forward to where the real money's made and answer your question even more specifically, can this scandal be good for baseball? 
Let's go to next October. October is playoff season. October is the month that baseball needs and wants to own, even though the NFL season will have begun. Even though the NBA season will be upon us. The reality is October belongs to baseball and the networks pay for postseason baseball. Now picture the scene. Game one, American League Championship Series. You are looking live at Yankee Stadium, where today, Garrett Cole will pitch against Justin Verlander as the Yankees take on the Houston Astros. The crowd is booing. There's security everywhere. There's trash cans being banged. There's spatulas on peanut bags. Everyone is yelling, screaming, and sold out stadium. The ratings are at an all-time high. It's like a train wreck you just can't stop watching. That would be good for baseball. Then the Astros win, and they have to take on the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series. How are we feeling now that it would draw the highest ratings, reverse ratings going down, reverse the trend? Scandal. If nobody gets hurt, I'm not talking about death or 157 pounds of marijuana with the intent to distribute. Greg Robinson. I'm talking about a scandal like steroids, a scandal like sign stealing, where we can have an enemy. The Astros are the common enemy now. It used to be the big bad Yankees, the big bad Red Sox, or the big big bad Dodgers. Now we get a Texas town, and the entire country gets to bond together in their disdain for their actions. It's perfect. It's a script. All we have to do is avoid PR mistakes. For, let Jim Crane keep making them. But as commissioner, we've got to stop all PR mistakes. As other team owners and players, let it go now. You've said what you had to say during spring training. Now show it on the field. Get on the field and have the Astros lose 100 games. You're angry they cheated. Make sure they don't win a game at your ballpark. Bang your own trash cans. Pump in noise. Do whatever you have to do. Get it done on the field. Ratings will go up. And at the end of the day, the sign-stealing scandal could actually end up being good for baseball. Who would have thunk it? You know what's not good for baseball? Injuries. They're just not. It's such a bad part of sports. It was actually my least favorite part of, uh, I've spoken about a nothing personal. I, I can't stand it waiting for the phone calls and you, you associate every time the trainer calls with something bad. The Yankees changed, changed out their entire training staff. They actually decided what they were going to do was, uh, they were blaming other people for all their injuries last year. They led the world in injuries. So before spring training even started, a guy named the Bing, Big Maple, which is a nickname for James Paxton, that trade, that guy from Seattle who now pitches for the Yankees. He's an okay. He's a number two, number three starter. He's fine. He's fine. Guess what? He's hurt. It was a wait to see. He's not going to come back before June 1st. We're going to see what happens, of course. But the Yankees could move on. They've got a high enough payroll where injuries can get covered up. Mistakes can get covered up in a way that I never got to do running a small market team, low revenue. Word came out yesterday that Luis Severino, their $40 million, four-year contract guy, the guy who was hurt all year last year but came back in September and pitched actually against the Astros in the playoffs. Apparently, he hurt his pitching arm that day, and it continued to hurt all offseason. And now, spring training has begun, and now 
Luis Severino is getting on JetBlue and going back to New York to get it examined. Aaron Boone took the stage. We actually never liked our manager to really talk about medical things. Um, and when we did have any of the 20 managers who we had over my career, when we did have them talk about any injuries, we would make sure we were very clear. This is what you say. This is all you say. We would say it's because of the HIPPO laws, which is you cannot disclose the medical status of another person without his or her permission. But that's not the reason. We don't want to bog down the media or have anything out there about any of our players being hurt in any way other than what we list on the injury report because when we go to trade a player, we don't want there to be any misunderstanding about what caused the player to miss time. Because when you trade a player, the first thing one GM says to another is, hey, how's Seve's elbow doing? Any updates? Well, Aaron Boone said it's a loose body. Let me explain what a loose body is. If you're watching, I appreciate it. If you're listening, by the way, thank you for downloading and subscribing. Please rate and review. We're looking for five stars on Apple. And we're going to do a bonus pod at the end of this month. And we're hitting the end of the month. I think today is like the 21st. It's the 21st of February. And it's a leap year. So we still have another week of this month, eight days. But rate, review, and ask a question on Apple that you want to hear me answer. Not as so you want to talk to Samson. This is a separate sort of more broad question. I've gotten some amazing ones. We did a pod at the end of January. We're almost full with our February uh, bonus pod with questions. But please, send more. If we don't get to you in February, we'll get to you in March. So Severino, it's told, has loose bodies. Let me show you what that is. If you're listening, I'll describe it. When your arm, if you can put your arm out straight, palm to the sky, that means that you've got something called full extension. Full extension is when your arm reaches a straight line. Very, oh, that. thank you very much, Coca. I was showing people off camera, which is great if you're listening, but not if you're watching. That's called full extension. Look right now, and my arm is at an angle. That's when your arm is locked. That's when you've got a loose body in your elbow or some other issue in your elbow that does not allow full extension, and therefore your arm is stuck, almost like when you're making a fist and showing off your bicep. There are players who arms actually are like that who can still pitch. I talked about it on HQ this morning or this afternoon, and one of those players was Uget Urbina, who helped win us the World Series. The guy could not straighten his arm. Even with a machete in it, he couldn't straighten his arm. But he was able to pitch. When a loose body is loose, you're actually okay. You would talk to a pitcher, and they would tell you they can feel it swishing around. Do you know when you've got something stuck in your in your teeth and you can feel it and you swish around your saliva and you're trying to get it loose and you're trying to get it loose so you can either spit it out or swallow it, but while it's in place, you know exactly where it is and you can adjust if you have to. You can talk. You can do anything. That's what a loose body in the elbow is. It's in a place or it's loose. If it's loose, you want to keep it loose. If it gets stuck, all of a sudden if it's stuck in the wrong place, you have a problem. So what you have to do is get surgery. There's no way around it. If Luis Severino has a loose body, which Aaron Boone said, and if Luis Severino has that loose body stuck in his arm, not moving, there will have to be surgery. What they do is they go in there and they disintegrate it into tiny little pieces, and then you're good, except it's six to eight weeks. That's my experience. Six to eight weeks, that's equals two months. Then you start ramping up. Today is March well, I don't know what today is, February 21st. 
Let's say they do surgery today. That is April 21st. Then you've got to start spring training. He's a starter. He has to be, uh, it's called the expression in baseball is, I can't think of it. I am having a senior moment live on the air, stretched out. That's not even Coca, who's so silent, I'm almost positive he's actually passed out in a pool of his own vomit in the control room because he's not saying a word to me. The Twitter number, the stretch out, nothing. I guess he needs a raise. Stretched out requires every five days you're at 50 pitches, then 70, then 90, then 100. That's 20 days minimum of stretch. That means the six to eight weeks you add another month. You're talking about the middle of May at best for Severino, but likely June 1, which is the same as the Big Maple, James Paxton. What does this mean for the Yankees? Nah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Jordan Montgomery will start some games. Garrett Cole will pitch on three days rest. He's got the guaranteed money. But what does it show you? It shows that paying money for pitching, it is a dicey proposition. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, my old friend JT Realamuto. Realmuto. 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 Muto Real JTE. JTR. Yes, that's right, the catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies the former catcher for the Marlins, who was traded to the Phillies. He went through arbitration this week, and he lost. Let me tell you what it means to lose an arbitration. Instead of being richer, he's just rich. Instead of getting paid, think about this concept. I want to do some math with you all. Get out your calculators. Get the app out while you're listening. If you're driving, don't do it. If you're watching it, go right to the calculator. Let me tell you how paychecks are done in baseball. You get paid only from April through September. Count with me. April, May, June, July, August, September. Six months of the year you get paid. Let's pretend that you are making $12 million. What does that mean? Do the math without your toes. $12 million 
by six months, you're getting $2 million a month. In baseball, there are two paychecks a month. If you're getting $2 million per month, don't use the calculator yet. That's $1 million every time you get paid every two weeks. Yes, I know there's taxes. Don't argue the facts with me. I'm not saying he clears $12 million. That's his gross pay. The point is, he was going for $12 million, which was $1 million per paycheck for all 12 paychecks. Now the math's going to get weird. He only is now getting paid 10. So sad. It's okay, JT. I happen to like JT. He happens to be one of the great guys in baseball. This is not about you, JT, at all. This is about no one feels sorry for the arbitration system. No one at all. And JT made the mistake. We're going to get to it. Do the math first. Is your calculator out? I want you to put 10 million into your calculator. And then that's 10 million, as you know, is seven zeros. If you don't, now you do. Okay? Divide it by 12. That's the number of paychecks. $833,333 instead of the $1 million per paycheck. Can you make it, JT? Yes, you can. But he went public. Why? Before he went to arbitration, he was honest with us. Before he went to arbitration, he said, this is a free swing. I am trying to change the way the system looks at catchers. I know that I filed at a number that will absolutely completely change future arbitration for catchers. He acknowledged what he was doing. He was trying to compare himself to position players and get paid as a position player. Closers get paid as closers. Setup men get paid as setup men. Position players get paid as position players. Starters as starters. Catchers as catchers. Catchers are a position, you're saying. In arbitration, there is a catcher's market. You are measured against other catchers. JT knew this. He was fine with it because he knew that if he won his case, that means that the arbitration system would now look at catchers as compared to every other kind of player. And if he lost, he'd still be making $10 million, by the way, number one. Number two, it would be, same as always, catchers are looked at as catchers. I love you for doing it, JT. You didn't have a chance, by the way. There was no way you were going to win, but I love what you were trying to do. I'm good with you taking a free swing. I'm good with you wanting to change the world for your future catchers. The problem is you then criticize the Phillies. You actually criticize your own team, and you say that what they did is they took advantage of an outdated process. Here's what I would say. I would say, JT, put it a different way for me. Say the following. Say the Philadelphia Phillies argued my arbitration case exactly as I expected them to. There was no incentive for them to agree with my side of the case, which was to compare me to other position players. They argued that I should be compared to other catchers. I knew that was going to be their argument, just as they knew what my argument was going to be. I have no problem with what the Phillies did. I have no problem with what I did. The arbitrators made their decision, and we all live with it, and we all move on. That's all you got to say. Now there's speculation. Will he re-sign? Somebody tweeted. Can you imagine this? Somebody tweeted this. In the last 30 years, no player with five or more years of experience like JT 
has ever gone to arbitration against his team, lost, and then re-signed with that team. I've never heard a more useless tweet in my life. Ever. Most five-plus players who go to arbitration go because they're going to be a free agent anyway. They play on teams that don't have the money or capacity to re-sign them. Or they've already been signed to an extension before they become a five-plus. So the examples of five-plus players who go to arbitration is not exactly a list as long as my fingers. Actually, it is as long as my fingers because I have small fingers. I have the smallest hands. Have you ever looked at your hands and said, my God, they're turning into your father's hands or your mother's hands? My hands are turning into my father's hands. I look at them and I see my father. The fact is, the reason that tweet is irrelevant is JT Realmuto, Realmuto, Rumutoa, he will re-sign to anybody who pays him the most money. He knows it. I know it. We've talked about it. He doesn't love the Phillies and want to be a Philly for life. Every time a player says that, ignore it. I want to be here the rest of my life. Lindor just said it about Cleveland. I love Cleveland. Okay. Um, something else is happening as a result of these, uh, of these scandals that I do want to, do want to tell you, and it's happening right now. Josh Reddick is a player who, uh, remember, he plays for the Houston Astros. This is actually quite serious to me, and it, it's insane. Josh Reddick is an Astros player. There was rumors that he had a buzzer on when he took his shirt off and showed his tattoos, and it turned out to be a piece of confetti. Josh Reddick is claiming that he and his wife are getting death threats, that people are wishing cancer on his children. Here's what's bothering me about this. Um, Mike Fires said he was getting death threats, too. This is sports, folks. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Stop hiding behind your phone and behind your computer and acting all cool like you're the big bully, Mr. Cyber Courage. I've touched on this on Nothing Personal. I'm going to do it one final time for now. Death threats actually matter. They actually impact the people you're threatening and the families because they don't know that you're kidding they don't know that you're not going to carry it out and you're trying to be cool and get more followers or hits or clicks. And you're actually saying that you wish cancer on children. What kind of sick bastard are you? That's what you do regarding sports cheating. You're comparing that to cancer. We talked about this on nothing personal. We agreed that we would never use cancer. As a way to describe anyone in a clubhouse, we would never use children or adults or mothers or fathers or sons or daughters or anyone who has cancer or who has someone who's impacted by cancer, who's basically everyone. If you're listening to this, you know someone who you love who has cancer or you know someone who you love who loves someone who has cancer. You care so much about baseball. What? You gambled on the Astros. You gambled against the Astros. You lost your house. That's your fault. You're a huge fan of the Yankees, and the Yankees didn't win, and you're angry. That's your fault. Get it under control. It's pathetic. People are pathetic. Why can't we just love sports? Just love it. What a horrible segue to a crappy movie. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I had to watch it. I love Kevin Smith. And I had to review it because I needed to ask Kevin a question. Kevin is very interactive on Twitter. We've gone back and forth a few times. He knows that Chasing Amy is one of my all-time favorite movies. You're going to hear about it when I start unveiling the top 60 of my top 100 because you've gotten the 
number 61 through 100. Kevin Smith did Mallrats. He did Clerks. Jay and Silent Bob. Brilliant. He's a brilliant writer, a brilliant director. And then he made this. It is the worst movie he's done by far. The jokes are not funny. The reminiscing put a tear in my eye, a cringeworthy tear, though. He brought back Ben Affleck from Chasing Amy, the character Holden. Holden? Holden Banksy. Banksy? Banks? Whatever his name is. Holden. The guy from Chasing Amy? The one who does the comics? Blunt Man and Chronic? Ben Affleck looks so bad, and his dialogue and writing was so terrible. They brought in Joelie Lauren Adams, who was the woman from Chasing Amy. Remember the lesbian who Ben Affleck tried to make into a heterosexual, and it did not work? Well, it sort of worked, and then it didn't work, and then it did work, and that was part of what Chasing Amy was. And then there was an explanation of what actually Chasing Amy was, and it was said by Kevin Smith, by Silent Bob in the middle of Chasing Amy at the diner. I'm talking more about that movie because this movie tried. It tried to tug at my heart by showing me the cast of Clerks, by showing me Jason Lee in his comic book store, by showing me a mall, by having Jason Mewes say, Snooch. That's right. When he's younger, it's funny. I didn't mind seeing Jason's ass when he was younger. Now, not so much. But in this movie... You're still seeing it. So what Kevin Smith did is he continued to go for the same laugh, except as someone in this office said today, and I'm not giving him any credit, I refuse to give Coca credit for anything, he says. Someone said, when you wait that long in between a movie and its sequel or a movie and its reboot, by definition, it can't be good unless it's called Bad Boys 3. I'm not reviewing Bad Boys 3. Haven't seen Bad Boys 3. The point is, in this case, he's right. Jay and Silent Bob reboot is a disaster. Don't see it, even on a plane. Pick of the day, I've had it with picks of the day, because here's the problem, folks. When I tell you to take a team, I told you to take the Sixers. When I gave you the game, it was minus nine over the Nets. Seven. No. Let me start again. Ready? Okay. Yesterday's pick of the day was the Philadelphia 76ers minus nine over the New Jersey Nets. After the show, it came out that Ben Simmons would not be playing and the line moved to seven and a half. When the team won by eight, which it did 112-104 in overtime, I assumed that I had won my pick of the day because I had the Sixers covering. It turns out what I was told here by my producer is that when I say it's minus nine, that's the bet that you're listening to this show, whether it's in an hour, two hours, four hours, 10 days, two days. When you hear minus nine, that's the line. That's the pick. That's the bet. It turns out that he's making me lose my pick because of that. And I find it to be outrageous. But I asked Tommy Tran, follow him at Tommy Tran TV, an anchor here at CBS Sports HQ. You want to talk about a guy who knows what he's doing? Not only does he know what he's doing on the air, off the air, gambling, fantasy, sports knowledge, food knowledge, all around great guy. Except in this case, he agreed with Coca that I lost my Sixers pick, which means TT is now persona non grata. Done. Not asking him another gambling question until tomorrow. Pick of the day today is the Pelicans. I don't know the line. 
I thought it was three and a half. Coca now is putting six on the board, saying it's minus six. I'm still giving it. Pelicans minus six. Can you imagine what's happening right now? Zion Williamson is taking the NBA by storm. He may win the rookie of the year over John Morant, even though Morant has been phenomenal all season long, turning around an entire franchise. Zion has the league on his back, though. If Zion performs these last 30 games the way he did his first five or ten, he could maybe steal rookie of the year. But the reality is that he's making a difference in a way much more significant than our friend Carmelo Anthony with the Portland Trailblazers. The Pelicans are playing the Trailblazers. The Pelicans are favored on the road. The Pelicans are a way better team. Younger, faster, more athletic. Forget the fact that Lillard is not playing. The reality is, take the Pelicans. I don't know what the line is. Just take them. I'm all worked up. I'm hitting the cough button. I don't even have to cough. I just want silence for a minute. Hi. Wait to see. There's a lawsuit. God, so many lawsuits. Remember I told you about this player, Bolzinger? The guy who got sent down because he got hit by the Astros, like gave up four runs in an inning, got sent down at the age of 29, having stunk his whole career, and never made it back up, claiming that he lost his career because of the Astros, knowing his signs. And I told you all, actually, he lost his career because his stuff was so bad, meaning his pitches. Well, he amended his lawsuit. When I read the headline, great, he amended his lawsuit. He amended it to say the reason why I didn't have a major league career is that I stunk. That would be a great amendment. Instead, he decided to add two names to his lawsuit. Instead of suing the Astros, specifically, generally, he is suing Jim Crane. Smart move. He's rich. Except Bozinger said, I don't want money. I want the $31 million of postseason revenue. I want it taken away from the Astros and given to charity. But he also named the intern. The intern who couldn't scrap two nickels together to make a dime. The intern who is so underpaid, your head would spin. Why? Because there's a hundred of them we could hire and pay less than even what he's getting paid, which is way below minimum wage. Why you put his name in the lawsuit? That's a cheap shot. You're trying to get some publicity. You're certainly not going to get money from them. You can get whatever judgment you want against the intern. What is it? Blood from a stone? You're going to garnishy his wages, Fletch, for the rest of his career? Give me a break. By the way, the lawsuit itself is a straight loser. That's my wait to see. When you see this lawsuit play out, remember you heard it here first. You heard that this lawsuit will be dismissed immediately. It will never go to trial. It is a straight loss no matter who you name. And then I will look right at Bosinger. I'll look at him right in the eyes at the courtroom stairs. And I'll say, hey, Mikey, it was just business. It was nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.